Well, I see movement, so I know you're not cardboard cutouts. <laughs> Just open an order of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we're back uh, uh, to this live meeting. It's great to see the congregation back, and we can study your word and learn for your, from your word today. We pray in the future now that this uh, ongoing virus has mutated. We pray no one gets infected from this Delta wave, and we pray our, our youngsters could get vaccinated soon, Lord, so we could go back to the full schedule. And we just thank you for this time, and, and we know your, your words will be spoken today and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so... When my number comes up to do these, which is way too often, uh, my heart rate goes up too. And the first thing that happens is I say, oh, what am I going to talk about this time? And that goes on and on. I, I pray, I read the word, I read the word more and more, and I tell my lovely wife, Sherry, I don't have a topic. And she says, well, you will. The Lord always gives you one. And So what he put on my heart is... Uh, I was reading how people receive the word and what reactions they have. And we'll talk about a few people and see what was the outcome of these people. There's a handful of them. We find good, bad, and the ugly responses to the gospel in Scripture. So my topic today is don't put off Christ. You know, there's several ways to say you're not interested other than a flat out no, which is kind of rude. We used to, a couple of years ago, almost on a weekly basis, we would get these solar guys coming up to the door and trying to sell us the solar panels, even though we have a 50 foot high tree in front, which totally shades the house all the time. But they kept coming and coming. And I felt like saying solar, right? No, thanks. But I'm never blunt, so I would I would say that. <laughs> and sometimes you could say, I'll think about it. I'll let you know. I'll get back to you. Those are three ways which the Urban Dictionary defines as it's another way to say no without offending the people that are there. And we make decisions every day. Some are easy. Fill up the car if you're on E. You have to do that. Other decisions, yeah, I know, require more thought, more research, more thinking about it. But we're, the decision, most of this today is it should be a quick decision, and it often, sadly, is not a quick decision. Hopefully, we have all made the decision to follow Christ, be part of his team, do his service, and continue to serve him, be in the fellowship, and do what we are doing now, and do his will. We know as Christians, reading the word, a lot of things that come our way, we know right off the bat the answer is no. We can't do that. We don't want to do that. It's a sin, and we're not going to do that. We know it from the word, praying, and from our messages. We are in service when we're saved and we're doing his will. We can't serve Christ unless we're saved, period. Um, so here's a few people uh, we'll talk about. First one is the debaters. You c 
It's in Acts 17. Paul is in Athens. He's preaching in the synagogue and in the marketplace. And he's upset that the people are worshiping idols. Um, A group of philosophers began to debate with him. Some said, why is this babbler trying to say? Others say he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And then they say, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas. We would like to know what they mean. And the kind of the key verse to this story is Acts 17.21. It says all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So that's what they do. They're useless. They sit there and listen and talk about it. Nothing nothing gets done. And it says there, they're spent there doing nothing. And then when they heard about Paul's message of the gospel and Christ's resurrection, they sneered at him. But a few of them said, we want to hear you again later on this subject. That's another way of saying, I'll think about it. That's a flat out practically saying no to him. And that, and on that, Paul left the council. That was a bad, that's one of the bad responses. They heard, they just said, okay, we want to hear more. That's not a good way to receive the gospel. Um, the word says to listen, hear, and obey it. Not, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you postpones the decision that you could make right on the spot on this one. Paul gave them the word and they are not they were not receptive. They just wanted to debate it further. That's what they did. That's what they do for the living. The word is the, and think about this. The word is the truth. God's God is truth. So if you're debating the word, you're debating God. How do you like your odds there? Um God breathed the gospel through men. Men spoke it, but it's from the heart of God. So we don't want, certainly don't want to debate God. They, these debaters reacted similar to what is said in Jeremiah 6.10. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. They wanted no part of receiving this word. They just wanted to debate. They probably kept debating forever. In the book of James, we find out how to respond to the word. In James 1, 19, 22, and 24, it says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's like going in one ear and out the other. The word had no impact on them. They forgot completely. That's not the way to be receptive to the word. And that's what what Jeremiah ran into. 
This message that he gave the debaters harkens us back to when Jesus spoke about the sower and the seeds. In Matthew 13:22, it says, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. That definitely applied to them. They didn't receive it. The seed would not sprout, certainly not in them, and the word could not take root. They refused to believe, and they were pretty wrapped up. Their, their head was so messed up with debating all these crazy ideas. This, they were all jumbled up. It was all in their head, and they shut the message down with unbelief. We know what Jesus thinks of unbelief. In Mark 6, 6, it says, And he marveled because of their unbelief that he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Another version says, lack of faith. Same thing. So, was Paul's message a waste of time? Was it done in vain? No. It's just the opposite. Because... In Acts 17.34, it says, A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus. Sure, he might say that different. Also a woman named Damaris and a number of others. So some were receptive to the word. And that was a good response. So we had the bad and now we have the good. They listened. They were saved. Did they say, let's talk about this over lunch and debate it? No. And they didn't wait for another time. They didn't want to call him back for a follow-up. The seed planted. Just like it says in same chapter, Matthew 13:23. This seed, but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And this applies to Dionysus, Damaris, and the others. Their soil was fertile. I like to, uh, some people here live in Livermore or been there. I like to go to Alden Lane sometimes, beautiful, huge nursery, to get plants. And I go there. And I see these plants blooming like five or six feet high. And I have the exact plant home, and it still looks like it's in the five-gallon bucket. It's this big. So I asked her, I go, how do you, I have the same plant. How do you get this thing to grow like this? said, we spoil them with good, perfect soil. Practically the whole thing is planted in in potting soil, and it's watered. That's the way we should be, um, our soil, us, should be receptive and malleable to the word to receive it, not just look for one little thing to nitpick and challenge. And that's the way these people were. And they're pointed out in Scripture. These people, if we see them in heaven, you were in the book of Acts. And I'm going to say, wow, that's great, amazing. And we are not going to be forgotten. The Lord knows everybody that's saved as well. Paul, although he left the room, he was thinking, I don't know what he was thinking, but 
when God's word goes out, it does not go out in vain. It has a purpose. It says as much in Isaiah 55:11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to be empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. So some people are going to take it like fertile soil. Other people not, but it has a purpose. The seed is sown whenever it goes out. Now, we have a couple bad ones. King Agrippa and his sidekick Festus, two high-ranking, I think they were Jewish, and they hear, heard the word and they know the new, the Old Testament, the prophets, and they knew, these people knew what was going on. Yet Paul testified at great length, it says, before King Agrippa and Festus in Acts 26. And here is an ugly response. Festus mocked him. Didn't even think about it. He just mocked him. He shouted, you're out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. That's pretty ugly. So clearly he was not receptive to the message. Just the opposite. He was angry. Some of these guys may have, with their rank, they don't want to lose their position, give up something, probably had a pretty healthy income, so they didn't want to rock the boat, as they say. Very soil, uh, thorny soil there uh, with uh, Festus and Agrippa. Not much is going to take hold, even though Paul sowed the seed. But Paul, did he leave? Did he walk up? Did he quit? No. He says in verse 25, I am not insane. Most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What am I saying is what I I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. And in 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Paul is really getting into his head there. Then Agrippa said to Paul, key verse, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, what, what grace, what humility, and what patience, Paul replies here in 29. Short time or long, I pray, God, that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Even after the guy called him a fool, you're out of your mind, he was so gracious that he was still praying that this Festus and Agrippa would be, would be saved. And Paul knew that these people knew the Old Testament all the way through or to that point. They knew, but they just didn't believe the Messiah part or that Jesus was the Messiah. So he definitely was getting in Agrippa's head. I'm sure the wheels was turning. He was definitely convicted. As he said, in such a short time, you think you're going to make me a Christian? Why not? Why not? He may have had thoughts of becoming it. Matter of fact, he might have been pretty close. So he had to get Paul out of the room. He couldn't take the pressure. He just couldn't couldn't pull the string on that one. 
convicted. He was uncomfortable. He was close. But Christianity is not like horseshoes. There's no points for getting close. You either are or aren't saved. And what did we hear about Agrippa in the rest of the New Testament? He's never mentioned again. No fruit, no nothing. He had the opportunity, but he passed it up. He didn't take advantage of the invitation, and he left the room, as that's a bad response, as well as uh, the ugly one from the other man. And this guy, he's, he's no good either. Felix is our next character we're going to look at. He was a governor, another lofty position, a lot of authority, knew the word, knew what they call the way. In Acts 24, 22 and 25, then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned to the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, that must have shook him up, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. That sounds the same as I'll get back to you later. Uh, you know, there's another way to say no. He was he was definitely stirred up because he got afraid. Another guy who couldn't make the commitment. The word at that time, as scripture says, was sharp as a double-edged sword. It was working on Felix. But another guy who passed up the chance here to make the right decision. He used that default bailout. When, when I find, he came up with his own bailout. When I find it convenient, I'll, I'll get a hold of you. What was inconvenient about this time? I'm sure there was nothing pressing that second. And really, how long would it have taken to become a Christian? We can do that in a matter of minutes. We know that. And then you live and do the right thing after. But it doesn't take, you know, six hours to become a Christian. He just didn't respond in the proper way. And so many people today, like Felix, are familiar with the way. We know a lot of people that have heard the gospel and have not responded yet. They're waiting. I'll think about it another time. I got time. But just won't make the commitment now. They find a way to put it off. Very sad for Felix. Haven't heard much about him later either. No good stories about him in Scripture. Now we come to the good ones. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. Philip met this eunuch uh, around a chariot and he was reading Isaiah 53. He was hungry. <coughs> Excuse me. He didn't know what he was reading, but he was hungry. He knew something was there. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? He goes, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And then in Acts 8, 34 and 36, so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. 
What hinders me from being baptized? Look at the initiative the eunuch had. He took that word in, as Philip explained it to him, like a sponge. And he took the initiative to bring up baptism. You know, usually that's an outward, as Dean gives the classmen, it's an outward expression of your new salvation. So he said, let's stop here. There's water. Baptize me. What happened to the eunuch? He went on his way rejoicing. We don't hear that about Agrippa or Felix or the other guys. So his whole life had changed in that moment. This is a great, good story. He was receptive. He didn't debate it. No second thoughts. No, I'll call you later. Can I see you in Jerusalem? He was going to Jerusalem to study. And another great one, we all know this one pretty well, was Lydia. Paul, again, was preaching the gospel to the women in Philippi. And in Acts 16, verses 14 and 15. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Tyrathia who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay with my at my house. What a great story. That didn't take long. She was versed in uh, the same thing that Agrippa was versed in. But she listened to the gospel, the resurrection and the story of Jesus Christ. And she accepted it like that. Receptive. She was like that great potting soil. She took it in and she initially initially took hold and she already has roots because she turned around and invited Paul and his companions to her house. Amazing. And not just for a lunch, but to stay at her house. And she Paul, Paul, we don't it doesn't say that he gave into that right away, but it says she persuaded us. She was insistent that she could use her house, her resources for God's kingdom. Just a great response. Same as the Ethiopian. Didn't have to think about it. Didn't debate it. Evidently, the time was convenient for them, both of them. I'm sure they were as busy as this Agrippa, but they didn't say, Paul, I need a convenient time. This is not convenient. No, she. what was convenient was hearing the word and acting When it was spoken, that is the convenient time to get saved when you hear it. Whatever you had that was convenient couldn't be put back aside. So analyze these these people. The good, Dionysus, Damaris, and a number of others who are believers. The Ethiopian was baptized and left rejoicing. Lydia believed, instantly served, as did the members of her household, The Holy Spirit worked. They were malleable, um, soft, receptive to the word, and they were saved. The bad, the debaters, debated, made the right, made the decision not to decide for Christ. Perhaps they continued to debate it because that's what they were doing, professional debaters. They probably debated it until they died. 
and the ugly, King Agrippa and Festus, they didn't accept the invitation. They mocked him. They kicked Paul out of the room. Felix got scared. And you don't hear about them either. The people we hear about that went on to their new eternal life was the ones that accepted Christ and got saved. We have such a loving God, full of grace. They say we're in the age of grace. People can still get saved every day now. The door is open. But the door is going to close at some point. We know that in Scripture. It's not going to be open forever. We don't know what date it is. could be today, tomorrow. could be in 10 years. We don't know. But who wants to take that gamble? I mean, who wants to know? People... People die young these days. You might not have 10 more years. I might not have it. Um, could be tomorrow. But we don't know how many more tomorrows there are going to be. If they say, I'll do it tomorrow, tomorrow might not come. And this is, this is all about, a lot of it about people just initially getting saved. But this also applies to believers that... We have to continue to, as Jenny's saying, um, Christ holds up his promises to us. We have to hold up our conversion and keep on a steady path and live up to our promises that we made of him. Because this is just a kind of a side point. We all believers are going to appear at this interview. Makes you nervous. The judgment seat of Christ But if we're serving him and living like he wants us to live, we're not going to be nervous. If we haven't done a thing, we we can't go in there and say, can I get back to you on that, Jesus? Give me some time. Because he's setting the time and the day when he tells us what we have done for him. And that's when you get your, your rewards. So it's best to serve now. Serve hard now. I think Jessica has a life's too short, pray hard, and life's too short, keep serving. And because in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Every day is the day. Now is the time of salvation. Instantly. It was the time of salvation with Agrippa, Felix, Festus, but they had the time, but they didn't do it. So our job is to continue to sow that seed like Paul was doing and let the Holy Spirit work. I guarantee you that some of these people were convicted that doesn't mean they ever got saved. But if we see sow the seed, then that's what our responsibility is. Let the Holy Spirit work. And Lord knows more people might get saved just on that little seed that you sowed. They might come home, read, listen to a message or two, and maybe they'll get saved. So we can't get discouraged. We have to continue to sow the seed because the word is always in season. I read one thing, uh, super duper 
pastor in Europe was converting people all over this area. When he's leaving his church, everybody in his church got saved, so he's going to the other churches, and these other pastors were getting upset, and they said, you know, you're taking all of our people. You know, let us handle our own people. And the guy goes, all I'm doing is serving in season. And he's, they said, well, what season do you serve in? I serve in season and out of season. So he, he always serves. So, uh, in, did I read this? Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So let's stay soft like that potting soil with nutrients and grow. Let it take root, continue to serve. And as we talked about, today is a day of salvation. So if anybody hasn't Put it off. Today is the perfect day. No sense to wait till tomorrow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are such a loving, gracious God, that you, despite how you are being pushed out of the the schools, our nation's um, monuments and plaques, you're being removed everywhere all over our country, yet you are still offering salvation to anyone who wants to come to you and receive you. May you just pray for the rest of the day, and uh, we just pray this in your name. Amen.